1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges.
0: Real love is
2: calling, opens up your eyes. Mercy is with every sunrise. This whole thing is perverted. This whole thing is hard to read. The events in Genesis 19 happened with pagans, people who did not worship God, people who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah were not worshipers of God. The people in Gibeah were Jews. These are God's people who understood God's law. They understood God's declaration of what is right and what is wrong. And this is clearly wrong. And so what is happening here is so tragic on many levels.
1: Sometimes sin gets a hold even of God's people and pulls them away from Him. Just like the life of the person who keeps their ways right and their heart focused on God is blessed and full of joy, the life of sin leads to more sin and eventually destruction. Pastor Gary is going to show you the sad state that the people of Gibeah fell into in sin. It's not worth it to compromise in doing right, not even once. When sin takes over, suffering and pain soon follow. And if not taken care of, eventually destruction and death. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 19, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
2: We're here in Judges 19, I'm not planning to finish the book of Judges, but we are here in the 19th chapter of Judges. And I mentioned at our study last time I was with you that Bible scholars believe that chapters 17 to 21 were added as an epilogue to Judges to highlight the spiritual confusion and sinful condition in Israel at that time. And so much of what you read in the book of Judges... The Hebrew term for judges is shoftim, because God raised up these military leaders to help lead and direct the nation of Israel during this time. But the cycle of sin that happens in the nation of Israel during this time was that the Israelites followed God, they loved God, and then they got complacent, and then they... Because of their complacency, they ended up giving into idolatry, the worship of the other nations around them. And then God sent the other nations around them to attack them. Then they cried out to God, and then God raised up a judge, a military leader, and gave them victory. And then they had peace for a period of time, and then they repeated that cycle. And so that's what we've been talking about through the book of Judges. So it is a time, really, when you can see a lot of God's grace Because despite the fact that these people were sinning against God time and time again and they got into this cycle of obeying God, sinning against God, obeying God, sinning against God. He was still very gracious to them because every time that he spanked them by bringing another foreign army against them, they cried out to the Lord and he had mercy on them. And he raised up another judge and gave them another period of peace which would usually last anywhere from a few years to a few decades. Uh, the last of the Judges mentioned in the book of Judges. There's still a couple more in 1 Samuel, but Samson closes out chapter 16, and then it's as if... Most Bible scholars think that these last few chapters from 70 to 21 were added to just kind of highlight some of the depravity and sinfulness and immorality so that we get a real taste of what happened during the period of the judges, which covers about 400 years. So these last few chapters are not chronological. They're not in any particular order. They're just given to us so that we can be, you know, just kind of appalled. (laughs) That's the intent. It's like, just so you know, uh, what was going on in Israel? Here's some closing chapters that will really just, you know, cause you to drop your jaw and to think, wow, this is some really bad stuff happening. Yeah. And all the more reason why we should be thankful for God's grace because he should have wiped them off the face of the earth a long time ago, like all the rest of us too, right? Because of our sinfulness against God. I mean, how many times does God have to put up with our sinfulness and our disobedience? But God is gracious, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance, And so God is long-suffering. He is patient with us, the Bible says. And the only reason why he has allowed us to be as we are is because he's wanting us to turn to him. Now, there is a time limit with God. And in his time, he will say, enough is enough. The end is here. He's going to come again. There's going to be an end to this earth. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So God has a timetable about things. But fortunately, he hasn't exercised all that just yet. Because he's patient with us and he wants as many as possible to be saved. And so you see a lot of his grace through the book of Judges in spite of how terrible their condition was spiritually. And we're going to see it here in chapter 19. It's not pretty at all. It's going to be pretty appalling if you haven't read ahead. Key verses, by the way, in these last few chapters, chapter 18, 1, and in chapter 19, verse 1, we'll see here in a minute. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And then... In chapter 17, verse 6, and chapter 21, 25, the last verse of the whole book of Judges adds to that. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we're going to see that right here. So this is a difficult chapter. It is a terrible chapter. It's rather appalling and disgusting. And if you think I'm being dramatic, let's read it together. Take a look. Chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days, when there was no king in Israel... That there was a certain Levite staying in the remote mountains of Ephraim. And he took for himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. Okay, pause for a moment. We have here uh, two characters introduced to our story here. We have a Levite. He is unnamed. And we have a concubine who is unnamed. Now the Levite man is of the priestly order. He's going to be doing something here very uncustomary for someone in the priestly order, the Levites. He takes a concubine. Who was a concubine? A concubine in this culture, and in most cultures where concubines were recognized, were basically another woman who was considered your wife, but she was really only for the purpose of sexual pleasure. And in this particular day, concubines were seen as second-class wives. She got food, she got clothing, she got shelter. But she had no claim to any inheritance as a wife, even though she was referred to as a wife, and her husband was referred to as a husband. However, if the first original wife was barren and could not have children, then any children born to the relationship between the man and the concubine were considered heirs of the family. Otherwise, the concubine had no claim to any inheritance within this family. She was purely for the man's sexual pleasure. Now, the Greeks, many years later, the Greeks had a saying about a wife and a concubine and a mistress. The Greeks said that every man should have a mistress for his entertainment, a concubine for his sexual pleasure, and a wife to bear him legitimate children. So you can see over the centuries how various cultures accepted concubines as kind of normal, although they were never normal in God's eyes. So you have here a guy who should have known better because he was of the priestly order. He's a Levite, which means he belonged to the tribe of Levi, which means he had good genes. But anyway, yeah, I'll overuse my jokes as many times as I feel like it's necessary. And then he takes on a concubine here. All right. Now, verse 2. But his concubine played the harlot. In other words... She wanted to go have fun, and she didn't really want to belong to this guy alone. She goes out, finding other guys, hooking up on Tinder and all that stuff. So his concubine played the harlot against him. And I might look old, but I know what's going on, okay? And went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah and was there four whole months. Okay, so she's like, enough of this guy. I don't want to be his concubine anymore. I want to go have fun. I want to hook up with other guys. And so she goes back to her daddy's house. In Bethlehem, in Judah, she's there for four months. Now, verse 3, then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back, having a servant and a couple of donkeys with him. You know, this is commendable, at least, that he's wanting to pursue her. He wants to go after her. He speaks kindly to her. He wants her to come back. And I want you to note that. Because it looks good at the moment, but it isn't going to last, okay? So he speaks kindly, of, hey, hey, come on back, you know, you shouldn't have left me. Please come back, come back. And so he brings her back. And so she brought him into, so he's there visiting her in her father's house. And so she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the young woman saw him, he was glad to meet him. Now his father-in-law, the young woman's father, detained him. And he stayed with him three days. And so they ate and drank and lodged there. So, you know, you get the picture here. He's like, he shows up to go after his concubine, which, again, in that time was considered a wife, just a second-class wife. So he's considered a husband. She's a wife. He goes to meet, in essence, his father-in-law. He's like, hey, good to meet you. Good to meet you. Why don't you come in? We'll eat a little bit. We'll drink a little bit. We'll have a good time. So he's hanging out with his father-in-law, and they're drinking together. You know, they're smoking weed and all this good stuff. And that's not really good stuff, but, you know. And so verse 5... Then it came to pass on the fourth day that they arose early in the morning and he stood to depart. But the young woman's father said to his son-in-law, refresh your heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way. And I don't know why I hear that in an Irish accent. I don't know, just <laughs> morsel of bread, you know, just have a morsel of bread. Why don't you have some more? Well, drink some more and eat some more morsel of bread. And so then you can be on your way. Now he's already been there three days. On the fourth day, he gets up to go, and the father-in-law is just like, Come on, we're having a good time. Just eat some more and drink with me. Okay. So he eats some more and drinks again. Verse 6. So they sat down, and the two of them ate and drank together. And then the young woman's father said to the man, Please be content to stay all night, and let your heart be merry. And when the man stood up to depart, his father-in-law urged him. So he lodged there again. And then he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. But the young woman's father said, Please... Refresh your heart. So they delayed until afternoon and both of them ate. It doesn't say drank because they've probably been having enough. You know, Five days they've been drinking together. And when the man stood to depart, this is day five, he and his concubine and his servant, his father-in-law, the young woman's father, said to him, Look, the day is now drawing toward evening. Please spend the night. Have you ever seen a father-in-law love a son-in-law so much like this guy? But he does, like stay, come on. See, the day is coming to an end. Lodge here that your heart may be merry. Tomorrow, go your way early so that you may get home. However, the man was not willing to spend that night. So he rose and departed. Okay, now, this is late in the day on the fifth day. So he's getting a late start. That's key to the story. He's getting a late start. So he left, departed, and came opposite Jabus, That is Jerusalem. Now, Jebus was the ancient name for the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Yerushalim, means the city of peace. It was not always the city of peace. It was Jebus before that. And Jebus was occupied by pagan people. It wasn't until King David came along as a warrior and subdued Jebus and the Jebusites that then it was renamed to Jerusalem, the city of peace. And that's when it became then a city, the capital city for the Israelites but at this particular time Jerusalem is not a city that is occupied by the Jews uh, Jerusalem is Jebus and Jebus is occupied by the Jebusites and the Jebusites are pagan people they're gentiles so they come here opposite Jebus with him were two saddled donkeys his concubine was also with them verse 11 they were near Jebus and the day was far spent And the servant said to his master, Come, please, let us turn aside into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. But his master said to him, We will not turn aside here into a city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. Okay, so that's why I wanted to point it out. Why would he not stay there in Jerusalem? It should be a friendly city. Not at this time. It's not occupied by the Jews and they're Jews traveling here. This Levite and this concubine and these servants, they don't want to find lodging in a place where the pagans are. So they want to head on to Gibeah. Now, Gibeah is part of the territory that belongs to the tribe of Benjamin. And so the Levite says it'll be safer there. So they've already gone from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, which is about anywhere from three, four, five miles, depending on how you travel. And then they get to Jerusalem, Jebus, and he wants to go further to Gibeah, which is about another three miles. So they're getting a late start late in the day, and they're traveling at least somewhere in the neighborhood of six, seven, eight miles on foot, you know, with a couple of donkeys. And so nightfall is coming as they're walking these eight miles or so. And so he's like, no, we can't turn there. As master said, we will not turn aside here into the city of foreigners who are not of the children of Israel. We will go on to Gibeah. So, verse 13. So he said to his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places and spend the night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed by and went their way and the sun went down on them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. Okay, the tribe of Benjamin, the Benjamites live here. And so they turned aside there to go in to lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat down on the open square of the city, for no one would take them into his house to spend the night. Okay, note, this is highly unusual in this day, because even today, Middle Eastern people are very gracious, uh, one of the most hospitable peoples. Particularly in this day, you go into a region, a city, a town, where you as a Jew have other fellow Jews who live there and no one is taking you in, very unusual. Obviously, this is the day long before Holiday Inn. Where would people lodge? You would sit in the town square where there would usually be commotion of people coming and going. You'd sit in some prominent place and then people who were moved with hospitality would come up to you and say, you strangers? Yeah, we're strangers. Come stay with me. That's the way they would do it. They would open up their homes. Hospitality is a wonderful gift. Some of you have it, and I wouldn't pretend to tell you how to exercise your hospitality because you need to be wise about who you bring into your home and who you don't, but I do think as Americans, we need to learn something that other cultures understand better than we, and that is to be more hospitable, to open up your home. And, you know, to give lodging to people who are in need from time to time. It doesn't have to necessarily be a long-term basis, but it's good to be friendly and hospitable as Christians and to open up our home and to, you know, give lodging where needed. So this is the scene here where they come into town. It's now, you know, the sun is setting. No one is giving them lodging. Well, here comes one guy, verse 16. Just then an old man came in from his work in the field at evening, who also was from the mountains of Ephraim. Now that's where this Levite is from. He was staying in Gibeah, whereas the men of the place were Benjamites. And when he raised his eyes, this is the old man, when he raised his eyes, he saw the traveler in the open square of the city. And the old man said, where are you going and where do you come from? And so he said to him, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah toward the remote mountains of Ephraim. I am from there. I went to Bethlehem in Judah. Now I am going to the house of the Lord. Now the house of the Lord is in Shiloh at this time, not Jerusalem. But there is no one who will take me into his house. Although we have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself, for your female servant and for the young man who was with your servant, there is no lack of anything. So In other words, we're not wanting to mooch off of you. We have our own supplies. We just need a place to stay. And the old man said, in verse 20, Peace be with you. However, let all your needs be my responsibility. Only do not spend the night in the open square. And so he brought him into his house and gave fodder to the donkeys, and they washed their feet and ate and drank. Okay, now here's where it gets dark. And as they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city... Perverted men surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house that we may know him. And then New King James adds, Carnally. Now, if you have a New King James Bible, that's what I'm teaching from, the word carnally is italicized uh, because it's not in the original language. And trying to be real true to the original language, the ESV. Just simply says that the guys knocked at the door and asked for him to send out the man that we may know him, and it is the Hebrew word yada. And ESV stops there, and you go, just know him? Is that all they wanted to do? It's just like get to know him? Like, what's your name? No, it's it's more than that. NIV translates it that they might have sex with him. So New King James picks up on the word carnal, so that we understand what is this type of knowing that they want. The men of this city have knocked on the door of this old man who's given lodging to the Levite and the concubine and to their servants because the men of the city want to have sex with this Levite. Does this story sound eerily familiar? If you know your Bibles very well, Genesis 19 is a very similar account. In Genesis chapter 19, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it real briefly. This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. When at this particular time, there were two angels that God sent. These angels took on human form. They came to the house of Lot. In order to warn Lot, you need to leave because God's going to destroy the city. And when Lot brought in these two male angels who had human forms, it says in Genesis 19, verse 4. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. It's the same phrase. We want to have sex with them. Now in the story in Genesis 19, it goes on to say, so Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, trying to reason with the men of the town. He says, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now. This is terrible, but listen to what Lot does. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. They're virgins. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, the men of the town, said to Lot, Stand back. This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge, talking about Lot. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands. These are the angels from the inside. Reached out their hands, pulled Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now pick it up back here in Judges 19, because I want you to see what happens. These guys come to the door. They knock. Same scene. Verse 23, But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man has come into my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter. Does a similar thing that what Lot did. Here's my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them and do with them as you please. But to this man, do not do such a vile thing, but the men would not heed him. So the men took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break, they let her go. So if you thought I was being dramatic at the top of the Bible study, you realize now just how bad this is. It's a terrible parallel here with what you have happening in Genesis 19 and what you have happening in Judges 19. Men come to the door of another man who lives in the city. They want to have sex with the visitors who are in the house. Lot offers his two daughters. In that case, the angels who were sent by the Lord rescued Lot. Said, "Get back in here, and you're not sending your daughters out." So no harm came to those daughters. In this case, this man offers up his daughter and this concubine of the Levite to appease these guys who have come to have sex with the Levite man. This whole thing is messed up. This whole thing is perverted. This whole thing is hard to read. The events in Genesis 19 happened with pagans, people who did not worship God. People who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah were not worshipers of God. The people in Gibeah were Jews. These are God's people who understood God's law. They understood God's declaration of what is right and what is wrong. And this is clearly wrong. And so what is happening here is so tragic on many levels. Well, verse 20 says, Then the woman came as the day was dawning and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was till it was light. So the men of the city have their way with her all night long. The Levite turned the concubine over to the men of the city, and she's completely ravished all night long. So now it's almost daylight, and she creeps back to the house where they were given lodging, And verse 27 says, When her master arose in the morning, this is the Levite, and opened the door of the house and went out to go his way, there was his concubine fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, Get up and let's be going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. Okay, she died. She had a death grip on the threshold of the door. He gets up the next morning, opens the door, and he's like, get up. What's wrong with you? He doesn't even realize she's dead at first. Then when she's dead, he just throws her onto his donkey, and off they go.
1: Our days are sometimes filled with nonstop movement, aren't they? The pastors, staff, and community here at Cornerstone Connection don't want you to miss out on nuggets of wisdom from God's Word. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can connect with us from anywhere. Interested in hearing more? Go to cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary Hamrick has more audio messages for you to tune into. Scroll down until you see the space that says Teaching Library. Once there... We've made it as simple as possible to search by topic, speaker, or book. We pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to stop by. We have Sunday services at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. Is the middle of your week more free? Come join us on Wednesday evenings then at 7. Were you blessed by what you heard today? Would you consider donating some of your resources? If so, it's pretty simple. You can use our mobile app or click on the Give Now tab found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to our next time together, right here on Cornerstone Connection.
2: They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go but still, you know in, in, but still, you know. You're not a.